Ding on, on dong. my dong. <laughs> Ding dong's announcement. <laughs> the takes are about to get hotter. Good. Hello and welcome to Opera Apero. This is your host, Sophia. Um, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking to some of my friends. Actually, I have two people here instead of just one as I normally do. Um, and that's because they're both experts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh. no. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Yes. <laughs> I am a hype man. So. <laughs> um, okay, so amateur experts in communist theory. And so I brought them on today because there is an opera that uh, we're going to focus on called Wozzeck that focuses a lot on um, one man kind of driven to the the brink of a mental collapse uh, by society and all of these pressures. And so, I want to get all your uh, hot takes on that. Uh, first, let me introduce you. Um, <laughs> to sure. my left, I have Tom. And then to my right, I have Zoe. And they're both all Berliners here. Um, yeah. Um, anything else you want to introduce yourselves? Um... I don't know. Yeah, no, that's pretty much that's it. Amateur cool. expert yeah. in communist theory. I'm going and... to go with, like, aficionado. aficionado <laughs> I think yeah. Zoe can claim way more authority also, also, in this area. I, I think but... I would leave it as enthusiast, enthusiast. about the you fall of capitalism. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's that pretty much sums yeah. it up, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, and so these, these two friends of mine are part of a queer communist book club. Um, and what do you do in this book club? Um, so I, I guess it, well, it all started because our friend Rachel, um, uh, like, you know, we all kind of like are leftists and like, I think like Rachel definitely identifies as a communist and like, um, there's kind of like this big culture about just like reading communist memes on Instagram, but never actually like getting into the theory and kind of like, yeah, a lot of like, kind of like armchair communism and like um so she uh really initiated the book club as a way to like actually engage with um the text and the source material and get into the theory and um yeah and then asked if we wanted to be a part of it and we we're like hell yeah because also <laughs> knowledge is power you know? <laughs> yeah my my roots in joining are perhaps a little less intellectual i think i definitely ran a lot of the same uh circles had some of the same thoughts honestly uh, yeah, after after enough times of, like, men online, like, asking me if I had read Das Kapital, like, at some point, <laughs> there's just kind of a, you hit a breaking point, and it's like, okay, pro- probably worth uh, checking out and seeing what this is actually about. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 fun. We, we pick readings every week and are kind of just still trying to, like, explore new themes, major texts, um, have done some more, like, German-centric things, like, studying a little bit of Rosa Luxemburg's work as, as kind of spanned, like, basically whatever we decide we're interested in, or, like, specific parts of theory that we want to know more about or, you know, talk about or, or claim um, and, and hear a lot about, but, but it's, it's really nice to kind of, like, sit down, sit down and work through what's actually, like, sometimes pretty difficult stuff, but to work yeah. through it together in, like, in, like a casual setting is, is really fun. Right, yeah, and it's, I think also, like, obviously, given the lockdown, it was kind of, like, for me, like, a great way to, like, just kind of, like, keep growing and learning, even though, like, it felt like there weren't that many opportunities to, like, 
connect and like engage with other people in like a enriching way. Um, and yeah, and I think it's just like, yeah, we found that it was so much easier to like read these things independently and then come together and be like, okay, <laughs> page 36, <laughs> paragraph nine, like what, what's going on here? Cause you know, some of it yeah. can be really dense. Mm-hmm. And I think like, yeah, just having the conversation and having the back and forth, like, has really helped. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of a, a lot of sitting down together and watching what is dialectics on YouTube, yeah. just kind of on loop. Um, yeah, yeah. Is well, like, actually let's go back, try that again, maybe another time. Can someone pull up the Wikipedia yeah. page yeah. for that term? <laughs> a lot, a lot of that, which is yeah, yeah. And it's great because um, Rachel's boyfriend Eric is like like really hardcore communist and like knows a ton of theory and also like being German, like can kind of explain it in a more cohesive way that, um, has been really helpful as well. So he's kind of been like guest speaker at some of the, (laughs) some of the, um, meetings. So that's been great. Totally. How has reading through these texts and like finding an interpretation that like makes sense to you, uh, affected how you intake other forms of culture or like media? I think, like, for me, it's just made me, like, way more aware of, like, the systems at play in a way that I think I wasn't necessarily before. Um, And also, like, I don't know, it's made me aware of, like, a lot of the issues within, like, communist circles and leftist circles. Like, there is a lot of infighting. And, like, Mm -hmm. that's actually Mm -hmm. something that, like, reading this theory has really, like kind of brought forth is like you have a lot of conflicting perspectives on the same sort of like you know uh outlook and like um structure um and yeah it's been fascinating because it's like everybody's kind of like has their own like hot take and then it's kind of like trying to disprove others and like we often like speak about like you know is that productive like obviously it's great to have like different different input and like challenge standing beliefs because there's no like one necessarily right like way to look at communism or like think about how it would be effectively implemented um but it was yeah it's just really really interesting to like read through some of these things and also think about like i think it was like like reading rosa luxembourg really like brought that forward of like Mm -hmm. you know she is a woman and these like predominantly like these male dominated circles kind of like being like having to really like stand her ground and defend like her points on like like disagreeing with like Marx and disagreeing Mm -hmm. with angles and like and like really like you know um having to like kind of like uh yeah come forward and like be this like strong voice because there just weren't as many women in these intellectual circles at that time there was like obviously a lot of like gatekeeping in the way that there still is (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's been really interesting for me uh, in a different way, kind of like from from taking like oh you know being a leftist whatever being a communist online is kind of one thing, and this is sort of like this siloed part of uh, my personality, my life, kind of the way I move through the world, the way I think, and and really like getting a stronger understanding of kind of how these things play out historically, or kind of like understanding a little bit more about the basis behind a lot of these ideals and the theory itself has made it, like like Tom was saying, something that I kind of see more everywhere now or am thinking about like in a bigger, more structural way. Obviously, we live in a country and all of us, I think, in a, in a part of a city that, that used to be socialist, 
communist, whatever, for, former DDR. And so it's, it's really sort of like interesting context now to call all of this like history that I already understood a little, a little bit about and knew about, um, but yet something that's, that's more front of mind, I guess, than it, than it would have otherwise been, which is really cool. Yeah. I hope that, uh, the story we're about to go through provides a lot of material. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so the opera that we're covering today is called Wozzeck. Um, It was originally composed by Alban Berg. Uh, It was his first opera, and actually he only wrote two operas because he died uh, while he was, before he could finish the second one, Um, but he was, like, well on his way to being a prolific, like, opera composer, and, Mm -hmm. like, um, but yes, this is one of the remaining ones, um, and uh, it actually premiered at the Berlin Staatsoper uh, Unter den Linden in um, 14th of December, 1925. Uh, so, a little hometown match. Okay, well, I'm saying hometown, it's none of our hometowns, but I'm like, Berlin is my home. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, so he actually, while he was composing it, he it took lo- a little bit long because he was at the same time. Uh, in the army uh, during World War One, wow. so he was like, so part of the opera is also informed uh, by like his experiences in the army as well. Mm. Um, let's get started then. Yeah, let's. Okay. Right so, Act One, uh, we see Wozzeck, who's actually uh, a baritone, which is a deeper male voice. Um, a lot of times, leading male characters in operas are tenors. Um, Um, And he's shaving this other character who goes by the captain. Um, And the captain is this higher-ranking official. Um, Wozzeck is kind of shaving him. And while he shaves him, the the captain is lecturing him or questioning him on a bunch of different things. And Mm. it's just like, at one point, he says, well, you're, like, not a moral man um, because you actually Mm. have a child out of wedlock. Uh, And Wozzeck says something along the lines of, like, well, it's uh, difficult to be virtuous when you're poor. Um, Mm. And then he goes on to, like, throw out some, like, biblical or, like, gospel quotes. And uh, the kind of capture, throws the captain off guard. And Mm. the captain is like, well, like, okay, fine, like, you're good, but, like, uh, you think too much and, like... You're poor and smart. It. That's yeah. not good. That won't go. Wait, can I also back up for a little context setting? So mm-hmm. this is the setting is in the army, and is there a year, a country, kind of word? Um, no the basis to that question. There's not really a given like time okay. for this, from what I researched. The time um, struggle. Okay, so but but the the power dynamic is that basically this this guy who's getting shaved is is boss. Mm-hmm. In, in they're in some military yeah. setting. Okay, yeah, cool. so Wozzeck's like a, a soldier. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, while he's like getting shaved, the captain is like, you always look so distressed. Like, uh, like a good man wouldn't be distressed because he would have nothing to be worried about. So like, you are like not a good man. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's a take. Yeah, and then goes along to like condemn his like child from out of wedlock. Um, and Wozzeck is that's when he's like no um so yeah Wozzeck eventually and then the captain's like okay fine uh like go ahead but like he dismisses him and he's just like so then Wozzeck like leaves um and he's like walking through the woods and like with his friend uh, and they're cutting wood and Wozzeck starts to describe all of these like visions that he's having Hmm. um 
He talks about seeing like heads rolling through the forest floor. Um, he talks about seeing the sun as like a ball of fire, and then when it sets, he sees the world set aflame. Um, okay, yeah. So he's like experiencing all these like really dramatic visions, and he's not like, oh, I'm having these visions, and like he like lay them out just like mm-hmm. I did. Like he's actually like as he's describing them, like they're very real to him, and like uh, okay. he's very disturbed by it, and he's stressed out. Um, so thinking isn't the only thing that stresses him out. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, his friend tries to like calm him, but this doesn't really work. And mm. he's still just like, yeah, distressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, but, and so in the next scene, um, we're actually in Votek's like home, but he's not there. He's actually where his common law wife is. So again, he's not married to her, but they mm. have a kid. Um, and so we just call her like a common law wife. Um, and uh, her name is Marie. Mm-hmm. And she's like sitting in the house uh, watching a military parade go by the house mm-hmm. um, with her neighbor named Margaret. And so they're watching this parade go by and Marie is like commenting on how uh, like handsome all the sh- soldiers are. And there's this one character called the drum major and she's admiring him. And <laughs> yeah, and Margaret's just like, wow, you, she's like kind of shaming her for looking at them and it's just like calls her a slut and then walks away. Uh, <laughs> is that, as, as one does. Is that, is that also like, is that also what common law, because I haven't heard that term before, is that also kind of what common law wife means? Like baby mama or is there like a specific oh, other law is usually like oh yeah. there's a certain time period that you've like lived together oh, um, so if you've okay. lived together for seven years and like have a life together um but you're not married a lot of uh, at least in the states a lot of places will recognize those as common law marriages and afford them similar um permissions or rights okay. as if they wow. were a re- regular marriage okay um, this is, is news like, to me. Is that a puritanical thing? Like, is that does that come from like that time period? Yeah. Of, like, oh yeah. All I can think about is like, why doesn't that apply to gay people? But, <laughs> <laughs> like, what is, but that's a whole other. Issue. Is that not what? Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's really interesting. Huh. Okay. So, so f- functionally, she is his wife. Yeah. That's what it means. Do you okay. think? it's relevant to the to the opera like that they're not wed is that kind of like a point of contention that yeah okay oh, clearly from margaret at I mean, the very yeah. least <laughs> margaret's I got yeah i don't know so much about her main characters yeah but <laughs> margaret's not holding back yeah as, as neighbors do she is, she is uh, displeased <laughs> yeah um so margaret storms off and then marie starts to sing a lullaby to her son um mm-hmm. And it's kind of a, she starts it off like being a little sad and lonely, but she's like, but you're like the sole source of my happiness. Uh, or like, as long as I have you, I can be happy. And then like says a little story and then puts him to sleep. Um, and then Votsek returns home, uh, and tell, uh, tells Marie about all the visions that he's been having. Mm. Um, and she kind of is also unsuccessful at calming him down. Um, Mm. and he like, rushes off to the barracks so he actually like sleeps in the barracks not Mm. in the home which i think is interesting um so he rushes off to the barracks and before he rushes off she's like you haven't even seen your son like you came and you haven't seen your son and and then he like rushes off and then she's just like that 
she takes this fact that he hasn't, like, he didn't go, even go bother to, like, see his son before going off as, like, very disturbing. And she's mm. like, this is a sign that he's going mad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then she kind of just, she's left alone and she exclaims that she's, she can't take it. Like, the being alone and the, like, mm. being poor uh, and, and always trying to make ends meet. Um, yeah. Uh, and so then in the mm. next scene, we swiftly move on to a time so Votzak goes to visit the doctor uh, which is another character and the Mm. doctor is running this like pseudo medical study (laughs) research that's Uh, always good that yeah yeah he's like this like (laughs) it's kind of he has like these delusions of grandeur where he's like i'm gonna make this big scientific discovery uh and I don't trust it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, does this in- involve exploiting poor people? <laughs> He's like... Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> okay. not, having, not having been given a year, my mind is like, oh, it's going to be eugenics. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he pays Mozak three pennies a day to participate in this study. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so Votzek goes to visit him, and he's just like, oh, like have you like been following this diet and blah, blah, blah. And Votek is like, oh, it's a doctor. I need to tell him about my vision so he can help me. And uh, he does. And the doctor kind of like ignores it and takes it as like, oh, that's, you just have an imagination or like, this is fine. Like, there's no problem here. But like, you're really like, you got to follow the diet yeah. that I'm giving you. <laughs> Your mental health is none of my concern. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and so then Votek is kind of just like at a loss there. Right. And he's, very stressed. This poor man. Yeah. Anyways, um, so then in the in the last scene of Act One, mm-hmm. we're we're back home with Marie, and the drum major is kind of like idling outside her door um, mm-hmm. and kind of flirting with her and like trying to like make a move. Uh, and Marie is like resisting at first, uh, and then eventually she like gives in. And so. The act one ends with the drum major and Marie like rushing into the house to kind of uh... canoodle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In, in all fairness, well, it's like did not go in to see his son. So That's true. If you know, maybe the drum major would. Right. You know, <laughs> well, I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I don't yeah. know who I'm defending yet or who we're rooting for, but it is a it is a common law marriage, whatever that means. Right. <laughs> Just saying, this, he's this a, is he, not legally he, binding. He sleeps in the barracks. I'm, yeah. I'm wrong, but uh, logistically and morally, okay. maybe maybe there's basis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I don't know if that's what that, we're here to discuss, that, yeah, that, but. <laughs> <laughs> Just to set the record yeah, straight. Yeah, I'm setting myself up. That probably won't age well <laughs> for the next couple of acts. But all right, so act two starts. <laughs> no, uh, the scene opens in back at home, uh, and Marie is admiring a new pair of earrings that the drum major has given her mm. as a present. Um, and so she's just like, she, you know, you got new bling checking mm. it, like, talking about how pretty it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Votzek comes in, and she kind of tries to, like, scurry and hide it away, but he notices, and he asks her, like, where did she get them? And she says, I found them on the street. <laughs> Super shanked, baby. <laughs> she did find the drum major on the street, in yeah. all fairness. So, it's not... <laughs> this is not a... T- <laughs> This is, this is a in sliver the, of truth in here. In the court of law, yeah, it might, it might hold up. I love that you've just become like an attorney for Marie. Like I represent. Yeah. Instead, of, the instead, of, yeah. instead of believe women, it's just defend women. Yeah, exactly. I'm not even going to hear it out. To I'm the death. Yeah. I'm just ready to go to bat. 
so um, Votek is really suspicious, and but he still he's very suspicious. But he still like hands over the money that he's earned this week, um, and then like goes about goes on his way. Uh, and then after he leaves, Marie sings this song of like regret and guilt over like what she's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then in the street, the captain and the doctor kind of run into each other and then they get into some really morbid talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as they're having this just morbid chit chat, um, they see Votzek walking by, they like call him over and then they're like, they call him over though to be like, Haha, your wife is getting screwed by the drum oh, major. No. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, Real so, stand-up guy. Yeah, they just make fun of him for having a woman who's cheating on him. For, um, yeah, for being cocked. Yeah. Oh, cuckolded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I was And not yeah. in a fun kinky way, I guess. Yeah, not the not the <laughs> <laughs> Some people in the city would yeah. die for the opportunity <laughs> for their partner to get earrings from another man, yeah. but I think that's not the vibe here. <laughs> Reading the room. Yeah. Uh, so he's so upset. He runs off to confront Marie, um, and he does so, uh, and she fully admits the truth when he, she's confronted, um, and they get mm. into a fight, uh, and he's like about to hit her. Um, but before he hits her, she becomes very, like, defiant and also, like, stands up to him. And it's just like, it would be better for you to just stick a knife in my belly than to, like, lay a hand on me. Wow. Yeah. That's deep. Um, yeah. But she's, like, she plants the seed of an idea. Okay. It's <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> and now he's like, huh, all right. <laughs> okay. Well, if I'll, you say I'll, so. I'll, I'll, I'll consider that, okay. yeah. We do. Um, I, let's keep in context that this man is probably mentally unwell. Probably unwell. Probably unwell. He's fully unwell, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, sorry, a... Not great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so then he he takes that note and he leaves, uh, you know, de-escalate the situation. And so mm-hmm. then later that night, we're in a beer garden. Um and there's uh, like a lot of partying. Mm-hmm. It's pre-COVID. Times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's full, Which, no social distancing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no masks. <laughs> no masks. Um, and there's a band playing, and mm. uh, people are dancing, and oh my gosh! And um, Marie is dancing with her drum major, and Votek is at the on edge of the beer garden and he's oh. watching them um yeah and this drunken partier like comes up to Votzek and tells him that the like everything is really fun and joyful right now but he smells blood which is like it's not what you want to hear at the beer garden no. <laughs> <laughs> a drunken stranger yeah, yeah, exactly. smells like blood <laughs> <laughs> mm. okay uh, which kind of launches Votek into another vision. He's like triggered, and he's just like he starts having this vision of like everyone waltzing around covered in blood. Oh my! Um, yeah. Is this depicted in the opera, or uh, is it just like he's he's singing about it? He's singing about it. Uh, it really depends on the production. So there's a lot of productions, like more uh, high end opera companies with a lot of money, have these like complex AV systems where they can actually use like lighting and stuff um, to project like images. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I if you like, you could probably like 
display, do just actually show that in a way. Yeah. Um, to show the visions, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking about how this would all be staged. Like, I don't know much about opera, but I'm like trying to picture like how it would. I've got a link for you. I'll <laughs> <laughs> just send it on have over. You heard of this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> it's made by my friend Sophia. <laughs> really great. There's so much about opera. <laughs> um, and so then, yeah. So he has this vision, and then he heads back to the barracks, um, and he can't sleep at night. Um, and I can't imagine why. Yeah. <laughs> what could possibly be wrong? Yeah, he's just like replaying the images from the beer garden in his head. Um, and then he can't sleep. They're in the barracks. And what happens? In walks the drum major who's drunk and there to taunt him. Oh, no. Into the barracks. Yeah, so the drum major comes in and taunts him about his relationship with Marie. And... Then they like pick a fight and they so then they fight and Votek loses the fight. Votek, um, yeah, he's not. Yeah, it's not a winner, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the end of Act Two. Okay, oh, well, <laughs> ending on a high note. Things, things are getting dark for him. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so Act Three opens <laughs> with <laughs> Marie is reading the Bible to her son and covers some passages around adultery and Mary Magdalene. Um, and afterwards, she's just full of angst and she just sings about like wanting forgiveness. Um, hmm. And then fast forward, her and Votsek are going for a walk, as you do with your beloved, um, and they're chatting, uh, they have, like, a kiss or two, and Votsek is, like, being nice, but also mean, like, passive-aggressive. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sounds like every Tinder date I've been on. <laughs> Go for a walk, he's passive-aggressive, <laughs> we kiss a little, nobody's satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and capitalism's the root of the problem. Capitalism's the problem. Nobody, nobody knows why yet, yeah, but that's exactly. def- it's definitely there. <laughs> yeah. That'll be explained. So yeah. as they're walking through the woods, um, they're at, they're near a pond, and Vatsak is like kind of he's a- he's acting odd, so he's being passive aggressive, mm. he's being like a little shady, um, and saying starting to say weird things, and it's making Marie nervous. Um, so she kind of tries to leave, and he mm. like holds her, and then she tries to leave, uh, and he, yeah, he pulls out a knife and stabs her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, really out of left field on that one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Um, so then, oh, also I like this piece. So it's all the plot summaries are like he returns to the tavern, and I'm like. But here in Germany, we know it's probably a knipe. So, <laughs> he returns to the knipe, um, and he's just hanging out with people. Uh, and people are, you know, it's at the knipe. It's jolly and fun. Um, people are dancing, uh, and he sees Margaret and neighbor Margaret. So yeah. him and neighbor Margaret dance together, and then he oh. like pulls her on his lap, and they're chatting. And then she's just like, wow. "What is this blood on your shirt sleeve?" <laughs> Oh, she is, she is a nosy she's a, one. She's keen, you know? She's, yeah, she's, <laughs> she's, she's observant. <laughs> Her eyes are open. Yeah. 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 Um, and he gets really flustered, and he can't explain where it came from. Um, and he gets so flustered that he, like, runs off. Which is normal, very exactly normal what an innocent behavior. person would do. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And what he does is he actually returns to the scene of the crime mm-hmm. um, because he is like now obsessed with this idea that the knife is going to incriminate him and he needs to get rid of the knife. And so he takes the knife and he throws it into the water. Mm-hmm. Um, however, as he watches the knife sinks into the water, he starts to think about, oh my God, the moon is so bright and like the moonlight beam is just going to shine down and like illuminate where the knife is located in the water so people will still be able to find the knife and still be able to find me and so he's like i need to make it i need to put it like hide it deeper and like in the murkiness so he goes into the water retrieves the knife and it keeps moving it further deeper into the water but what he's actually doing is just like moving further into the like deep lake um Mm. and then until he just drowns (laughs) (laughs) wow Uh. okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for some yeah. reason I thought that was going to go so well. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um and so as he's as he drowns you you can that scene ends with actually like the captain and the doctor walk by and like see it happen from far away. Um and then in the last scene of the opera, um the son is playing with other children in the street uh and one of the other children comes over and tells him that his mom is dead and he's <laughs> And he's like a kid. He oh, doesn't really seem to understand. And so he yeah. just, like, they say it to him. And then he's like, hmm. And then he just goes along and continues to play with the other children. They end on that note. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. <laughs> what are some themes here? <laughs> mean you guys are very sad <laughs> yeah it somehow seems like quite abrupt but then again like I guess that's kind of like well it's about the drama yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean well there's definitely like a conversation to be had about mental illness and like underprivileged um, communities and like people not having access to mm-hmm effective health care to like deal with their hallucinations mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that that are that then lead to like horrible violence within these communities that isn't like spoken or cared about as we see with like the doctor and the um and the general just mm-hmm. kind of like taunting him rather than like having any consideration mm-hmm. and this you write this this theme that's still extremely prevalent of just like not being listened to right having mm-hmm. having no appeal to authority because of who you are right the, yeah. the doctor and the captain are both people who are in positions to help him right uh, and are only motivated by their own self-interest or in the in the case of the doctor trying to whatever conduct his study right or uh in the case of the captain like basically just his own worldview being yeah. uh too, too risky to to even acknowledge the the, mm-hmm. the pain that mm-hmm. this character is in yeah yeah and like that kind of like that concept of like the Hippocratic oath and that like a medical mm. professional has a right to like not do harm and like actively like help people who are um, suffering or ill. And we see that that's just like completely neglected in this case and in life, you know, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> right, right. And, and the American healthcare system. <laughs> right. And I, I, I feel like the, 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 POV that I, I'm taking away here is that the people like um, Marie and his friend are not necessarily in a position to help him. And I don't, I don't mm-hmm. 
you know, we feel whatever, at least for Marie, like kind of varying degrees of sympathy throughout uh, the acts that, that uh, at least for me, kind of shifted throughout hearing this plot. But you still defend women. <laughs> this is to the death. Complicated. Um, <laughs> don't air that. <laughs> or don't edit that. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, we we don't necessarily see them as... We see them as also characters who are probably in more similar positions to mm-hmm. Vozek and are, are, are not, you know, they're, they're, they're able to confide in him. They're able to, like, or, you know, at least attempt to support him emotionally. Less so, I guess, in the case of Marie. Or they, at least there's, like, a desire to support him. Mm-hmm. But really, what isn't there for him is the material support from the people who actually have an impact on his life. Like, that's what I read out of it. It's like someone like the, the captain probably has, has full power to, to do something to actually is, is in a position to do something to change his life. Like uh, upon first indication that something's going wrong. Um, and so I think the contrast to me between this like set of characters is, you know, who wants to help, who's closest to him, but how, how, almost like feeble that power is in comparison um, mm-hmm. to, to yeah the reactions of the people who could actually do something to, yeah. to be supportive. And um, yeah, just thinking like structurally and again, like speaking about power dynamics, like obviously like Marie's from Marie's perspective, it's like, I think that part where she says like, it's better to kill me than to like lay a hand on me is like, like such a hallmark of like women in, um, impoverished communities like trying to resist domestic abuse and like Mm -hmm. just not like having the resources or like advocacy to do so and like I think that's a very like real emotion that I'm sure many like underprivileged women and like like and not just underprivileged women any woman in a domestically abusive situation Mm -hmm. would feel like you know sometimes like death would be better than having to put up with like yeah, with that sort of violence in your own home, you know, with the mm-hmm. person that, like, is supposed to be your partner and, like, your love. And, yeah, I don't know. That's that. I mean, that one really, like, strikes a chord for me because it's, like, my, like, my mom, like, I grew up in, like, a sort of domestically abusive situation. And, like, I think about, like, from her perspective, like, I could imagine feeling that. Like, I could empathize with that deeply. Um and maybe, like, the fact that that actually comes to fruition in the opera is, like, representative of, like, how those situations often play out. And that's, mm. and that maybe, like, her her death probably kind of, like, goes unmourned in a way, you know? Mm. And, like, the fact that even her son doesn't really have context for it. And it doesn't seem like anyone in the community is paying any attention or, like, yeah, they don't, like speak about any like burial rights or like you know it's just this like tragedy that kind of like goes yeah it's like almost accepted as like part of life like Mm. yeah like oh yeah that happened and we right whose whose life counts more or Mm -hmm. or how it's how it's perceived right the the only concern the like greatest degree of concern that any of these characters really express right is 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 margaret in sort of a, a selfish way or right she's she's yeah, just cons- an inquisitive way <laughs> right <that's>, right and <laughs> she's like, she's nosy she's yeah. right exactly she's concerned about like uh you know is is what is what marie's doing right you know is she is she is she acting correctly in this yeah. situation she's concerned about the violation of the social contract but not 
anything else that's uh, visibly going so wrong in, in either of these characters' lives. Right. Yeah, and I think that's also kind of like a, a trope in the sense of like you have like Margaret almost represents like someone who is like of the proletariat, but like obviously is like in this situation seems like a bit better off or like mm-hmm. has maybe like a more stable like environment, like home situation and kind of like is on looking and almost like getting like entertainment or like finding like mm. these, these characters, these poor, like um, underprivileged, like neighbors of hers, like as kind of like her source of like entertainment or like that, like it's fair for her to like make a, a judgment call, like a, the yeah, a big element of our society is like, yeah, it's kind of like part of like what keeps people in oppressed and like within the social confines of our society and the socioeconomic confines is like keeping people occupied with mm. their like small little world and like really like fostering the infighting in that sense of like who has it worse or like who mm. who can you like you need to feel you need to look you need to see someone below you so you can feel better at yourself rather than like looking at the people above you and thinking like why why do they have so much privilege and like why isn't that more disseminated amongst their society mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so it's like keeping that strata mm-hmm. in place like in large part is like yeah encouraging people who are in maybe like uh you know lower middle class or like higher like lower class to like keep looking down the ladder use other people who are below you as like a reference point to like try to like bolster your sense of place in society Mm -hmm. which is also in a way what the captain does too Mm -hmm. like he looks down on Vodzak and is like well Mm -hmm. i'm doing like i'm moral and you're not yeah right it's it's so allowed it's this like acceptance like oh, if people who are poor or mentally unwell or whatever it is, then it's like, then their lives just become open to scrutiny. You mm-hmm. you somehow have, like, don't have access to that same level of, like, sort of privacy or, or agency to move through the world the way you want. It's like, oh, because of these things that are wrong with you, yeah. uh, decided by whomever, right? The, right. the power structures in play, mm-hmm. like, you you don't... I think, yeah, the Captain and Margaret both play this role. You don't, you don't have the have the right to live your life without judgment, you know, thinking about how, uh, how poor people spending their money being always open for critique and how, how, you know, that's always on the table for wealthier, wealthier people to make decisions about like as as a, as a touch point. And I think in both of, both of these situations, both from the captain towards Vutzek and also from Margaret, um, to Marie, that you, you see, I don't know, that dynamic reflected, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think like, um, like this really brings to mind for me, like, um, the book by Roxane Gay, Hunger. She like, obviously like she speaks more so about like being fat in society and like how that opens you up to a certain level of critique, but she also grew up very poor and like details it in the book and kind of like, was like, yeah, like my person, my body like became like other people's property in a sense. And like for her, it's like it, she experienced a lot of violence and domestic abuse. And like, it was almost like, because she wasn't the image of what people thought she should be in society because she was like extremely overweight. It was like, it basically like in people's mind justified and gave permission for them to like perpetuate violence against her and that her body was like no longer her property. And it kind of feels like that's also what it is with like living in poverty. It's like your life 
what you do with your time and your money is no longer like up to you. You lose your autonomy because people decide that like you're not worthy enough to have it anymore. Or your mental well-being. If you know you're yeah. seeing troubling visions and you're you're just beyond the brink, it's like uh, you know you you lose access to that that being of concern. It's yeah. like oh you're already you're you're already not doing well. You know we right. already, we already expect you right. uh, like socially to to like of course you're unhappy you have yeah. so much less uh money than us you're in you're in such like this lower like social standing like yeah. that that the like credence that's given to those concerns uh, mm-hmm. especially in this storyline is is just like so so diminish your ability to be heard and also yeah take taken seriously yeah i'm gonna make like a bit of a transition mm-hmm. which <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna pull it to like a, a modern example like the free britney movement like <laughs> I was just listening to something where it was, like, her, like, custodians, her, like, legal custodians, like, she's claiming, like, have forced her to have an IUD and that, like, Mm -hmm. she's, like, she's lost her reproductive rights because, like, they have, like, found ways to, like, legally deem her unfit to, like, quote-unquote care for herself and, like, she's lost her, like, capacity, at least, like, based on, like, what she said to, like, have a child if she wanted to Mm -hmm. and that that... And, and, like, again, like, obviously that's very, like, specifically a woman's issue as well to say, like, you know, your reproductive rights and, like, how quickly I think, like, poor women's reproductive rights are, like, you know, people are, like, ready to, like, step in and be mm-hmm. like, oh, well, like, if you, like, can't provide for yourself, like, you don't have, you shouldn't have the right to have children. And, like, that is just, like, so... There's totally a long history of poor <laughs> women being yeah. secretly... um um yes <laughs> made infertile sterilized yeah. sterilized, sterilized yes sterilized. yes 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 for sterilization yeah, yeah and right planned parenthood was founded on the basis of eugenics mm-hmm. right like it's yes. it exists as the organization is today yeah absolutely That's i'm not fucked. gonna articulate this history well <laughs> okay uh wow yeah, it's it's not like you know more accessible healthcare, um but the original motives were much mm-hmm. more sinister yeah yeah, and right, and I think, I mean, that obviously, like, relates to, to the, the issues of a capitalist society where it's like, oh, if we don't think you can, like, produce the type of, like, babies that we want, like, we, and we're not going to, like, provide health care for that, you know, then, yeah, you shouldn't have the capacity to reproduce anymore. Yeah, I mean, so, like, even in Germany, we have, like, abortions technically illegal in Germany. A lot of people don't know that because there's this idea of Germany being a very progressive, but it's, like, really illegal, and, like, it's one of these rules that's only applied sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. So in Berlin, it's easy to access, but in other places, hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, like, birth control in Germany isn't covered by health insurance, Mm -hmm. and, like, it's very much like a, oh, we want these kinds of babies, uh, and but then there are certain things where it's like, oh, if you're under 20, then we can make this, like, plan B or something cheaper. Um, Yeah, if you're over 20, then it costs this much, but if you're under 20, it's free. So, and I was just like, oh, okay. (laughs) Cool. Only these kinds of people get to have, like... Once it's time for you to have children, you have to. (laughs) (laughs) That's fun. No, you hear this a lot, like, especially with more, like, uh, like like, these kind of, like, environmental fascist arguments of overpopulation. It's always a question of, like, overpopulation 
who do you think is overpopulating? And it's actually like this really flawed notion that there are, there are too many people or too many people are having babies when like the source issue is that resources are not being equitably distributed and it's not that the world by any means is overpopulated. I hate to even say it. Like this argument of overpopulation is totally based in that like, oh, the, the, the wrong people who live in the wrong places or in these, like, mm-hmm. whatever formerly colonized or currently colonized nations are, are, are overpopulating the world. And the burden is, 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 is sort of on uh, people having babies to sort of, like, solve our climate crisis when actually it's, like, the wealthiest nations who are consuming the most mm-hmm. and, and sort of, like, uh, yeah, killing the planet. And it's, a, yeah, it's this really, like, sinister argument that comes from that exact place. Um, the notion that, like, yeah, it's it's uh, that's that's not how we want this to look. Yeah. Uh, so we'll moralize it as wrong, right? Yeah. <laughs> corporations are the problem. People. A <laughs> hundred corporations, seventy-one percent of global emissions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it opens up the way, right, for these like to to not sort of, not just not understand, but also like not be able to see through to the root of the issues i think is what opens up the door the door for these like totally unbased critiques um you know if 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 you're not addressing sort of the 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 like source stresses which it uh, to bring it back to the opera which butzik is experiencing because his 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 life is stressed he cannot provide for his his family he is uh working in conditions that seem pretty blatantly mm. unhumane for, for somebody who does not care much for his humanity, only for his, like, uh, basically only, like, the relationship is only to the extent of, like, you know, he is, he is the laborer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that that <laughs> creates these conditions where it's like, oh, he's just crazy. Or, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's, uh, yeah, of, of course. Oh, he just couldn't handle it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. If he had just been, like, a stronger, better person, right. you know, like, for his family. If he had just done the right thing. And it's like, well, that's, there's no context there for, like, what he's actually experiencing. And how, do, how does she make sense of that, right? Yeah, also, also, in, to sort of understand Marie's actions here, right? Like, if, if uh, some sort of symbolic way out is, like, this sort of, like, uh, attempt at, 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 like, a class mobility to, to sort of like really, really boil down um, whatever her actions are, whatever the relationship is. Obviously it's portrayed as like in Margaret's eyes, it's, it's purely lustful. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but at least for Marie, it's like, okay, right. The, 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 the person uh, that I love or, or, you know, the father of my child is, is just being c- consumed by his work. And then like the subsequent like detrimental effects of his work on, on his personal well being. So what 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 choices is she left with if if she sees a route out even if it's something that's like not super like moral, yeah. morally conscionable you you also have to understand like the the motivators or all the things that might push her and I think there's also like an aspirational outlet mm. part to it too because the drum major is this like fancy like dressed up guy probably like higher position in the army mm-hmm. and like. Envisioning a romance with that versus the like labor, it's like kind of like envisioning something where you're like already in this higher class, um, yeah, and you don't have those like all the problems that she's like assailed with. It's like almost escapist for mm-hmm. her, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And then the fact that, like, it's so clearly drawn, like, the power dynamic that, like, the drum major and Volzak, like, actually get into a fight and he loses. And that, like, he mm. even doesn't have, like, the physical, like, sense of power. It's not just, like, a sense of, like, privilege or status. It's, like, physically, you know, he can't compete with this, like, mm-hmm. other influence like to no fault of his own it's like oh Volzak, you fucking wimp play <laughs> like you know that's kind of like it's just such a such an unreasonable argument like right right he doesn't have anything of himself left to yeah. give like and, yeah right. his... and so and like it, it we can assume is what drives him to violence you know so like i'd like to know like the, the um opera writer is that correct terminology? Composer, P- yeah. Composer. <laughs> okay. The composer and the librettist. So the librettist is uh, the one who writes all the words that go along to the music. Huh. Ah, yeah. And it's okay. actually, this opera is based off of a book that was kind of unfinished. Yeah. Okay. Huh. By the same composer? No, no. Or, okay. um, by an author called Buchner. Ah, okay. Huh. Wow, I feel like the librettist is very, like, unsung hero. I, I don't... Yeah. I don't think about this when I think about operas. Yeah, so yeah. I think usually composers like are the like masterminds. They mm. get the idea of the story. So um, Berg had seen a um, the play that the opera is based off of. So mm-hmm. the Buchner play called Wozzeck, and he saw that and he wanted to make it into an opera. So the story is all kind of there, but really the composer puts together all the music and then it has the librettist have this like storyline in mind, and the librettist. Is, writes all the words for the songs Mm. wow Mm -hmm. okay i totally didn't know that we're learning so much (laughs) yeah cool was there anything i'm trying to think of like other themes that maybe we haven't touched on Mm. yeah i mean so one of the things that i read or heard somewhere was that the nuclear family is like a capitalist invention and i think Mm -hmm. you mentioned this earlier is that this like because they're so focused on their families that it, they kind of like this one family in particular does implode, but then like also everyone else is completely focused on their own thing. Mm-hmm. And so by like just fo- the, having the focus of the family of just like, I just want to like be in my family and like be happy and like have mm-hmm. our little unit be mm-hmm. safe. Yeah. You kind of relinquish any care about others yeah. and that like care of the community that like, if there was that care of the community, could have, like, come in and supported when necessary. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, like, the degradation of, like, um, collective thinking, basically, is, like, yeah, this hyperfixation on, like, one's own and the sense of, like, oh, yes, well, you just have to, like, provide for your people and, like, like, you can't, like, don't think outside of that context. And for most people, it's kind of, like, yeah, unless you grew up in a privileged situation where, like, you could move past thinking about, like, your baseline needs or, like, maybe a bit above that um, in terms of, like, hierarchy. Like, um, like effectively, yeah, you had to put all of your energy into just, like, meeting your material needs and, like, doing your best to, like, stay above water, which, like, I think leads to a ton of, like, animosity within like class animosity obviously um yeah it's also really interesting to see like i know from my perspective like uh my dad uh, immigrated to the u.s when he was like in his like early 20s so he's from southern italy and I, it's really interesting to see like the amount of like 
racism and like just kind of like yeah class animosity that like was born out of like being an immigrant in a foreign country like immigrating to a foreign country and like having to struggle to like meet basic needs and now like um there's this sense of like elitism to be like Mm. oh well like if we were able to do it, like, how come black people can't do it? And I'm just like, oh, (laughs) well, you came here by your own volition and they were brought here in chains. Um, So it's kind of a little different, (laughs) but like from my, from that like side of my family's perspective, like they will always be very like insidiously racist because they like, there is this 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 mm-hmm. this rat race mentality of being like, oh yeah, well like you know it's just about work ethic, and mm-hmm. it's like, well no, it's not actually. Right. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with conditions and circumstances, and um, yeah, your autonomy wasn't stripped from you um, for centuries. <laughs> you know? And this and this like false sense of this like manufactured sense of scarcity that capitalism yeah. necessitates and the the like unequal distribution of resource necessitates, right? Because it's like oh, there's some finite amount of resources amongst all of the working class people or formerly working class people Mm -hmm. and, you know, something just transcendent, something very American rags to riches has to, you know, happen to sort of, like, access that or escape out of it when it's, it's, it's not totally fabricated. Like, obviously, the structures in play are very real, but that, that, like, false notion that there is not enough for everyone to sort of move move out of those situations without yeah some heroic act of uh mm-hmm. bootstrapping or yeah. whatever uh is, yeah. is is just like inherently flawed and and it's it's sort of like this this lie that's at the core that there is not enough for everyone that that like mm-hmm. fuels so much of that hatred and animosity yeah 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 exactly it's all so fabricated and like i think that's also like would be like the the neo-capitalist take on Boltzak would be like, well, you should have just done better. <laughs> sure. You know, and it's just like, yeah, it's such ridiculous logic. Yeah, um, I mean, that's like what the captain tells him. It's right. just like, oh, like, you, okay, you're good. Just, like, don't think too much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stay, exactly. stay in your lane. Right, and yeah. you're good because, like, you can recite Bible quotes and, like, that—that that is what I'm, like, that's my uh, metric that I'm using to deem your value. So, like, if you couldn't do that, I would see you as, like, a filthy, like, degenerate. But because you can, like, tick the boxes that I'm looking for you to tick, like, now you have a place, like, within my, like, sense of, of yeah, of, like, status, mm-hmm. you know? And someone who hasn't had the same access or opportunities to, like, learn bible quotes like in the cabinet's eyes would just be like Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah the only other thing i still want to think about or or don't totally understand how to view yet is is sort of like this final scene with the sun and and we think about like right the the nuclear family as as a construct of capitalism but uh, but sort of like where that leaves him in all of this uh like it's like not having anything to do with the sun sort of in their one interaction like their their worlds are so far removed right this like safe loving family versus like the reality that he is dealing with um Mm -hmm. that has has sort of just totally consumed him is is incompatible like right like this the the family structure is is in in incompatible with basically like the uh the sort of like psychological and very like real, very worldly hor- horrors that Lutzek is going through. It's like there's like this like the two characters cannot even interact if the sun is this like symbol of like nurturing and love yeah. and um, 
family, there's like, there's just like literally no, no way for those two things to be reconciled. And then Marie would be our character who's at the intersection of those two things. She's, mm-hmm. she's, she's dealing with all of the things that Vucek is going through sort of in this almost one degree of separation way. Uh, yeah. But really her world is, is her family and her, her son and um, this love that she has for them. And it's like these, these two things just like cannot possibly yeah. right. There's no, there's no, there's no nurturing capitalism. There's right. no, there's no way to make capitalism sort of, human or ethical or yeah. or caring to people yeah right and so it's like yeah it's, it's in a lot of ways she's kind of like acting almost as like yeah as like a buffer or like this kind of like yeah she's like atlas like holding up like all of this pressure totally. to try to like keep her son from being crushed by like the circumstances the material circumstances of their situation and that's not something a person can do, <laughs> no, right? She, yeah. she, she, she dies first. She, yeah. yeah, it's not. That's not. It's not humanly possible. Yeah. Wow. Go, Marie. <laughs> full circle. Yeah. <laughs> she deserved a hundred pairs of earrings. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> the whole, the whole. What's a what's a drum like brigade called? The whole. Uh, crew no there's like a word for Ooh. it <laughs> the whole drum line she deserves She's the whole, the whole drum. Drum line them up <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, oh, actually one last opera th- the thought i think the visions are actually really interesting because he he sees this like horror which perhaps reflects like his psychological instability reflects like the the sort of like horrors that he is facing or or mm-hmm. sort of like this brutal life and and really the end for him is not in vision it is not is not where his visions would have led him to believe it's not with heads rolling the, the world does not catch fire he and his 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 family gets dissolved marie dies mm-hmm. he dies and it's inconsequential in in the grand scheme or at yeah. least in the scheme of the characters around him so yeah i feel i feel i feel that theme like oh, maybe even above all is is really lasting that um yeah so yeah, no, I mean, I think that's that's a really great point because yeah. it's like, I think we all kind of, like, it does feel like when living in this capitalist structure, like, like yeah, like your existence is kind of like so meaningless because you're just a cog in a machine and you feel like it's like so pervasive that um, regardless of what happens within your world or like, you know, what tragedy ensues mm. and what humanitarian crisis we face, like the, the monster kind of like just keeps <laughs> devouring. Right. There's this notion. You know? Yeah. Something, something has to change. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Of course it will change. Right. <laughs> this can't go on. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's something that really resonates with me and I, I will take away and yeah. Okay. Um, if there's nothing else you want to talk about, what did you guys think? I think, yeah, you're a great storyteller. I think, like, I really, like, I really, like, got a good sense of the the, the opera. And, yeah, I've, I've never seen an opera. And I really want to see one now. <laughs> Do you want to watch Wozzeck as your first opera? <laughs> I think so. That feels poetic. It feels right. It feels natural, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I, yeah, I felt, I felt very deeply for. I won't say all of the characters. I don't have a lot of uh, sympathy for the captain, but I, 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 I think this is a, a very, a very moving storyline, and 
crushing even. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I too would love to see the visions come to life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so vivid imagery. Uh, <laughs> okay. well, thank you for listening to the opera and discussing it with me, bringing your um, enthusiast, communist enthusiasm, or amateur. Uh, <laughs> what, what were the words we like ended up on? I think it was I like think, enthusiast yeah. and uh, appreciated aficionado. aficionado. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The enthusiasm and the aficionado ness of the show. <laughs> um, and yeah. All right, so big thank you to my guests for joining me today, and thank you for listening. If you like the show, please follow wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, if you want to reach out uh, and uh, just follow any updates about the show, uh, the show is on Instagram at opera.apero. We're on Twitter at opera.apero. And you can also always shoot us an email the old-fashioned way uh, using hello at opera.apero.com. So now I uh, have to go into this uh, uh, brief show announcement uh, that I is a little melancholy. Um, Opera Apero will be taking a summer vacation. Uh, so maybe some people might call it a hiatus, but uh, I prefer to think of it as summer vacation. So think about, so for two months, you know, just like back when you were in school, got let out of school. Uh, I went out and rampaged all around the neighborhood and well, not just school, but also opera houses also take a little break in the summer. Their, their season, opera house seasons actually usually run from fall to just the beginning of summer. So since this is an opera podcast, I'm going to stand by this idea that maybe we can also take a <laughs> summer vacation. Um, but also, uh, much like a summer vacation, maybe we should have uh, required reading. <laughs> um, okay, I'm just kidding. I know we probably all have some kind of book that we want to read this summer, um, or several. And so there's no required reading, but I am going to do I'm going to do an assigned suggested viewing. Um, I encourage you to watch an opera. So this is actually the best kind of assignment. I encourage you to watch an opera, any opera in the next two months. Um, it can be anything you choose. If it's a piece that we've already covered on the show, what I'll do is shout you out on the next show, on, on a show in the future. And if it's an opera that we haven't covered yet, uh, I'll actually add it as a focus for a future episode uh, where you can provide input on what should be covered on the show, on the episode, based on what you thought was important. And uh, yeah, pretty much I want to hear from you. So the way to make this count is actually by tagging me in Instagram post, tweet at me, or email me and let me know what opera you watched. Let me know what you thought. Let me know what you liked. Let me know what didn't really work for you or what was difficult or what was like, wow, this really hit me so hard and I really it stuck with me. Uh, any of those things, um, 
And while there won't be new episodes, I will continue to update social media uh, with good streaming opera selections. So anything from the Met, anything from the a local European, also local for me, European opera houses. Um, and so if you need inspiration on what to watch, check out our social media. Uh, and until then, I hope you all have lovely summers. Uh, please go soak up all the vitamin D, go out for all the beach days, go out for all the road trips, go eat a lot of ice cream and stay cool and we'll be back in two months and have a lovely summer. Bye!